0: Hey guys, this is Chelsea Eithoven and you're listening to Vibrancy Radio. I spent the better part of two decades in pursuit of shrinking my body, but diet after diet, I still never felt enough. And I don't know about you, but the last word I would use to describe myself while on a diet is vibrant. After becoming a certified health and nutrition coach, I finally dropped the diets, learned to trust my body again, and rediscovered the vibrancy that was within me all along. And now I help women like you do the same. Vibrancy Radio is your new go-to resource for science-backed nutritional knowledge, major mindset shifts, and body image breakthroughs. So if you're ready to stop feeling so dang stressed about food all the time and start focusing on all the things that make you unique and vibrant, then welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome to Vibrancy Radio. And maybe you've been listening for a while and maybe the title of today's episode just caught your eye. You were like, hmm that's interesting. I'll give that a listen. And if the title of today's episode did catch your eye, then you are my people. (laughs) You have a sense of humor. I just thought it would be hilarious to make the title of the podcast something with the word buttholes in it, which I know is like very shocking. But you know, that's me. I just kind of think it's funny to be (laughs) a little bit out there. And if you think it's funny too, again, you're my people. But in all seriousness. The topic of today's podcast is limiting beliefs. And if you take this seriously and you actually go through the formula and shift some of these limiting beliefs today, you will see your life start to transform. This topic could seriously, seriously make such a difference in your life. But before we dive into limiting beliefs, I want to share with you a couple things. So the first thing I want to share with you, or rather ask from you, is for you to do me a small favor. If you could, if you've been enjoying this podcast, then I ask that you pause right now and take a moment to either rate the podcast or subscribe, or if you're really enjoying it and have a lot to say, leave a review. This really helps the podcast, helps more people find the podcast and that will be so helpful because that is my that was my main point in creating this podcast was to get my message out there to more people. And the second thing I wanted to tell you about is very exciting, and that is that the doors to the Vibrancy Guide group coaching program are open now. So as of today, which is September 29th, 2020... We are starting the very first round of the Vibrancy Guide group coaching in October. And the last day to sign up is October 10th. And I just want to tell you a little bit about this program, just very briefly, who it's for. Uh, And if you want to hear all about the program, then listen to the last episode, Pro Snacks. We go in detail in that episode about the program and what all you'll learn and how you'll transform and how you'll change. And also you can click the link in the show notes, which is the vibrancy guide, www.thevibrancyguide.com and check out more about the program. But briefly, who is this program for? This is for the woman who usually has found success in other areas of life, right? So you found success, maybe you found success in your career, or you have the family life you've always dreamed of, or you've built the home environment that you've always wanted. Wherever you found your success, you found success in many areas, but... There's one area that continues to hold you back and just be a difficulty year after year after year, and that area is health and fitness and your relationship to food. This is so, so common these days, right? We find success in other areas, but the one thing we just can't get a grasp on is our health and fitness. And sometimes it is because we're simply too busy and we feel like We don't have time to prioritize that. Well, I want to reframe this in your mind because when you are healthy and fit and you're feeling your best and you're energetic, you actually have even more energy and even more vibrancy to share with the world. And first, you'll enjoy life more. You will be even more present. And like I said, you'll have that energy to continue growing in other areas of your life. So if that feels like it aligns for you uh, and maybe you've gone on diet after diet and you lose weight doing these super restrictive protocols and then you gain it all back and it's always an up, down, up, down, up, down, and you can't seem to find that place in the middle, then the vibrancy guide just might be for you. I would definitely encourage you to check it out if any of those things resonate. This is also uh, for the type of woman who is brave and... Sort of a trendsetter and likes to be ahead of the curve because this program really is ahead of its time. I'm making a prediction that in a few years, most, if not all, health and fitness programs will be including holistic components, meaning that you care for the whole human. Because as we know, just getting a meal plan and just getting an exercise plan does not mean that you'll be able to have the consistency to stick to it, right? That's the problem most of the time. And this program does dive into nutrition, does dive into exercise, does dive into all those physical things we're used to talking about when we talk about weight loss, right? Sleep, all that kind of stuff. But we also dive into things on a couple different levels. We dive into things on a spiritual level. We assess how happy you are and where your joy is on a day-to-day basis because that is So important for overall health. We we talk about your stress levels and how to reduce stress and how to deal with emotional eating, not from the eating part, but from the emotion part, right? We talk about productively handling emotions. And it all comes together in this beautiful package that ends up in this transformation of mind, body, and soul that past vibrancy guide clients just like cannot say enough good things about. (laughs) their transformations are long-lasting. I had a, a past client who finished in December text me the other day thanking me because now she wakes up every morning and loves exercising, and it's like she feels so good because of it, and that just made me realize that this is exactly what I want, right? I want clients to text me nine months later, a year later, two years later, and still be feeling good about their health and fitness, right? Versus the old paradigm where you go on a diet for 16 weeks, and then it's just over after that, right? You go back to your old habits. This program is 16 weeks, and it is designed to be the first 16 weeks of your journey. Everything you're going to learn is going to be things that you can bring with you and are sustainable enough and enjoyable enough that you actually want to bring them with you into the future. So as we are getting into this podcast, limiting beliefs is one thing that we get into inside the Vibrancy Guide. So if you want even more support handling li- your limiting beliefs and diving into them, I give you a more in-detail process inside the Vibrancy Guide. If you are interested, then check out the link in the show notes or go to my Instagram, bright light shells, and you can find more information about the program there. Reminder, the doors close on October 10th, so make sure that you, this is a time-sensitive message, October 10th, 2020. If you're interested, hop on in. Okay, let's talk about limiting beliefs. So limiting beliefs are like buttholes. Everyone has them, right? And I think I said in the beginning, but we kind of keep them in the dark and we don't look at them and we ignore them and we pretend they're not there but they're there. They are indeed there. And sometimes they can be gross. And sometimes we need to like clean them out, right? That is such a gross. You know what? That's such a gross comparison. Sorry for that. (laughs) But it's true. Okay. And so let's talk about limiting beliefs, what they are some that might be hiding under the surface, you know, particularly when it comes to health and fitness and your beliefs about health and fitness in general and about you and your relationship to health and fitness and food. And then we're going to I'm going to give you four steps to rewrite your limiting beliefs. And this is good, good stuff. If I were you, I would have a pen and paper and be taking notes, right? I feel like I love listening to podcasts, but the things that I get the most value from is when I actually sit down, listen in an engaged manner, and take notes, right? And then I actually end up taking those things into my life versus just listening to a bunch of stuff over and over again and not ever absorbing or implementing it, right? So I always like to say, knowledge is not power, applied knowledge is power. So this is one that I would highly encourage you to apply to your life. All right, but what is a limiting belief? It is exactly what it sounds like. It's something that you believe that is limiting you in some way. It could be about you, it could be about other people, or it could be about the world. And I find that in my my line of work, Mostly, people's limiting beliefs are about themselves, right? And I've also found this uncovering my limiting beliefs. Not all of them, but those are some of the big ones. We have these beliefs about ourselves that are holding us back. So I like to demonstrate this with a little bit of a story, And it's kind of a silly story, but just follow along and you will kind of see how limiting beliefs are holding you back in your life. So this story is about a lion. (laughs) Once upon a time, there was a lion and this lion was big and strong and courageous and could hunt and could do all the things that lions can do, right? Could scare other creatures. But... When this lion was young, his other lion friends told him that he was just a little bunny. And they made fun of him. They picked fun of him, right? They said, you're just a little bunny. You can't scare anybody. You can't hunt. There's no way you could catch dinner for your family. You just, you can't do any of that because you're just a bunny, right? And they made fun of him. And the lion actually took this on as a belief. So the lion then believed about himself that he was a bunny. And because he believed he was a bunny, he never tried to hunt. He never tried to run fast. He never tried to roar or intimidate other animals. (laughs) I don't know. I'm sure lions don't like to intimidate other animals. But you get the point of the story. So he lived his life basically unfulfilled, feeling Sad because he wasn't actually fulfilling his true potential, right? His true potential and what actually primally is going to make him feel good is doing the things that he's meant to do in this life, but he did not believe he could do it. So he was unfulfilled. He was undernourished because he was just eating carrots and foliage and whatever he could find, and he wasn't actually eating the meat and the protein that he needed to survive, right? (laughs) All because of this limiting belief. And what's important to remember here is that just because the lion thought that he was a bunny rabbit and thought that he couldn't do all of those things, did that mean that those things were actually true? That he really couldn't do all those things and that he really was a bunny? Absolutely not, right? Just because he believed it did not mean it was true, but it was stopping him from fulfilling, from going after this life that actually would be so much more satisfying for him. And this is exactly what's happening to you if you're not examining some of your limiting beliefs, right? If you're not saying, hey, actually, maybe I should at least try this thing because you may be stopping yourself before you even get to the point of trying because you don't believe that you can do it. Are you following here? So I think that story, again, is super silly, but it's a good representation of what limiting beliefs do and exactly that, how they are limiting us what they do in our lives and why it's really, really, really important to find out what the limiting beliefs are that we are holding onto and 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 really rewrite the story, right? Change the narrative because it is always possible to change the narrative. Now, I'm going to share with you a couple of my limiting beliefs. So, and this is very vulnerable for me. These are limiting beliefs that when I first started getting into this work and self-development and health and fitness that I had to really dismantle. And I had to dismantle them because they were stopping me from fulfilling things that I needed to fulfill, right? And so a couple limiting beliefs that I have overcome in terms of health and fitness The first one is that being thin is the only way to be accepted and lovable. And woof we're going to dive into where that came from but that is a big one and how it limit how it limited me was it kept me in this fear cycle so it kept me in this cycle of well, i can't go off a diet if i try the non-diet approach and i try to actually just nourish my body and heaven forbid listen to my body when i'm hungry and eat when i'm hungry then i'm going to not be thin anymore and if i'm not thin anymore then i can't be lovable right So this was holding me back in so many ways. It was keeping me in this fear cycle of not ever wanting to do anything but the restrictive patterns that I had always done. So that was a big one that I overcame. And obviously, as you can see, I've overcame that one in a big way because now that's what I preach to my clients and that's what I teach and I I help people make that same change, right? And realize that actually... You, just because you're going to try a non-diet approach doesn't even mean that you're going to gain weight or that you're going to, you know, spin out of control and eat all the things. And it definitely doesn't mean that you're going to no longer be accepted or lovable, right? And the other thing, the other big limiting belief that I've overcome is that I always identified myself as an emotional eater or a stress eater. Eater. And I also believed about myself that there was really no way to change that. It was just what I do because it's just what I did day after day after day. And it just always continued to prove to be true. And I was like, there's just no way I can change that. It's what I've done since I was a kid. So what I need to do is just try and keep my stress levels low, which are important. But I thought that every time I got stressed, I was just going to eat. And so I had to avoid the stress to avoid that consequence. Now, fast forward to today, that is definitely not my only coping mechanism for stress and and anxiety. And in fact, it's one of the last things I think about now. I still myself am having some breakthroughs with my health and fitness. I think think any coach that doesn't say they're still having breakthroughs is, you know, I think we're all on a journey. I think we all need to admit that we're not at the end point. Nobody's at the end point until the end of our lives, right? We're going to continue evolving and growing. And at least for me, I personally identify as a lifelong learner and I always want to continue growing and improving. So a couple weeks ago, I had a, one of the most anxious days I have probably had in years, years. I had not felt that level of anxiety in a very, very, very long time. And it was a culmination of multiple things that caused it that I later investigated and figured out why it was causing it so that in the future, I could avoid that (laughs) from happening again. But I realized after the fact, the next day, I had a little bit of a realization. I was like, wow, I think this may be the very first anxious day that I've ever had that I didn't even at all think about using food or alcohol to cope with the stress and anxiety. That literally never even crossed my mind. Now, for years, I've been working on this and I have other coping mechanisms, but sometimes the urge would still come to use food as a coping mechanism, alcohol as a coping mechanism. Sometimes I still would. And PS, that is okay. You're a human. You're not a robot perfection is never the goal, at least in my programs, it's not, but rather progress is the goal, right? So it was always like, okay, well, you know, I thought about it a little bit and maybe I had some food or alcohol to cope. But for the most part, I used other coping mechanisms like meditation, tapping, relaxation. For me, organization helped me, cleaning the house, being in a clean environment all those things. But it was the first time that I think I just genuinely didn't even think about food or alcohol. How crazy is that? That tells me that I have like actually the work that I've been doing to rewire my brain in this area has been working. And that was huge. But before I could even get to that part where I did the work to overcome my automatic habit to cure stress and anxiety with food and alcohol. I had to change that limiting belief, right? Because if I had never changed that limiting belief and my entire life I just believed that's just the way it is, I'm just an emotional eater, then guess what? I wouldn't have even seeked out ways to change that. I wouldn't have even tried them because it was just my truth. And that is why identifying your limiting beliefs is so important. Because if you believe it's a truth, then you will never, ever attempt to change it, right? If you believe that this cannot be changed, why would you ever seek out ways to change it? That just doesn't make any sense, right? So I do also wanna tell you when limiting beliefs tend to come up. Limiting beliefs tend to come up and arise in us whenever we try something new. When we start a new venture, when we come out of our comfort zone, that is usually when they come out of hiding, right? Because if we're just constantly living in our comfort zone and doing the same things over and over again, we're not going to bump up against any anything that makes us have to push to the next level, right? And health and fitness journey could be this, that you're like, hey, it's actually time for me to try something new. If you feel it's time in your health and fitness journey to try something new, then I can guarantee you are probably gonna bump up against some limiting beliefs and notice some things coming up that don't feel so good that you're gonna have to work through and literally change that belief So you can change your reality and your experience. So most recently for me, starting my business has been the latest thing that has brought up a ton of limiting beliefs for me. And luckily, I have a coach and she is incredible. And she has helped me work through my limiting beliefs when it comes to my business. And I can tell you something. When I changed these limiting beliefs in the way that I was looking at myself And the world, AKA the way I thought you had to be to run a successful business, my limiting beliefs, my beliefs were holding me back from fully. Diving in with two feet, right? And if you don't dive in with two feet when it comes to a business, there's just no way you're going to succeed. So that is my latest thing. And I just wanted to warn you that this is when they come out to play. And if you haven't really noticed any limiting beliefs in a while, then maybe it's time for you to take a risk, right? To try something a little bit out of your comfort zone because. That is where growth comes. Growth never comes inside our comfort zone, right? Now, I am going to go through the four steps to rewriting limiting beliefs that I use inside my program, The Vibrancy Guide. And one of those steps is finding the root. And so before I actually dive into these four steps, I want to tell you Some backstory of my limiting beliefs, particularly my ones around health and fitness that I told you about earlier, a couple minutes ago, and tell you the root of those limiting beliefs. Because finding the root for me has been probably the most eye-opening piece of this four-step system. And I think it's important that we understand where these limiting beliefs come from. So let's talk about my limiting belief that I had previously that being thin is the only way to be acceptable, accepted, and lovable. First of all, there's no denying that this belief is ingrained in us as a society from the very beginning, right? We are taught this. We see this on every magazine cover. Right now, we see it in, in a lot of our Instagram feed. We see it on TV. We see it everywhere. And so a lot of times, we're also living inside families that are continuing this belief and, and reinforcing this belief to us. So you may feel that your mom has uh, imposed some of this limiting belief on you, right? That being thin is better. I know that I had that belief for a while and then I realized the only reason I feel that my mom was the one imposing this belief on me is because my mom was just repeating what she has learned from society as a whole, right? And and that's why it's important to kind of never cast blame on anybody who you may feel has taught you a certain limiting belief. It's it's never, well it's this person's fault because it's more, it's deeper than that, right? Where did that person learn this limiting belief? And and who did they learn it from? Okay, so let's say your mom learned it from your grandma. Well, who did your grandma learned it, learn it from? She probably learned it from society as a whole, right? It's never this kind of stuff. We have to dig one or two levels deeper than we want to, <laughs> to actually see what's really happening. So, Of course, like I said, this limiting belief was coming from society as a whole, but there's also one particular story from my life that, number one, if you would have told me a decade ago that I was going to share this story on a podcast for anyone to listen, then I would have laughed in your face and not believed you because this story I actually dedicated a big portion of my life to hiding this story and trying to make sure that nobody knew about this story, right? So we're going to rewind back to seventh grade. And when I made the connection that this limiting belief came from not only society as a whole, but also this one particular event or chunk of time in my life, I was like, I had an aha moment. And then I said to myself, I've been holding onto this belief for so long. It is time to let it go. It's no longer serving me to believe that thin is better. First of all, the tactics that I'm trying to do to get thinner are not working. <laughs> they work for a little bit and then I gain all the way back plus some. So it's time to release this limiting belief, even though it's scary, and try something new. So let's reverse back to... 7th grade for me 7th grade i was just this this little girl full of hope I loved fashion and funky clothes. I loved trying all the new trends. I don't know if you remember bubble shirts—the the ones from Limited Two that would start out really tiny, like literally the size of your palm, and they were one size fits all, and they stretched out and <laughs> and didn't fit anyone. Those I was big into. Those or anything funky and weird clothing-wise, I was really brave with my fashion choices back then, and I loved it. I thought it was so fun. It was my way to express myself. And I also loved cheerleading. I just thought it looked like so much fun, and I actually tried out for the cheerleading team, and I did not make it. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't make the team and I was devastated, but I joined the pep squad, which the pep squad was kind of like basically the thing that you you don't try out for, you just join it because it's for the people pretty much that didn't make the cheerleading team, right? So starting out with that, I was already like not on the cool radar, right? Any In any way, shape or form. And I will also say at that time, I was a chunky kid. I had more extra weight than a lot of the other people that I compared myself to, of course. It didn't affect me that much, right? I didn't think it was that big of a deal at that time until this particular experience. So I was in seventh grade and I was in seventh grade social studies class. And I literally, as I'm telling this story, am warping back in time and can see that exact exact classroom. I know where I sat. I know where all the kids in this story sat. I know I was on the left side of the room, the second row to the second row from the end. And I know that the popular cheerleader girls always sat on the very end row. And it's funny because if you have intense memories like this too that are really vivid, that likely means that you have some intense emotions tied to them. We remember things more vividly when there's intense emotions tied to them. And there was really intense emotions tied to this. So in the social studies class, the teacher was, I guess I'll say, a little bit less than attentive. He would just teach a short lesson for a couple minutes and then would give us worksheets to work on the rest of the period. And we would just do our worksheets and and, and talk, and he would just let us all talk freely, which made him like a very, quote, unquote, cool teacher, right? People liked him because he really didn't pay attention to what you did. He didn't really care if you were doing your work. He just kind of just let us be, right? And so that was, that. I thought that was cool at the time. Well, at one point in that class, one day, somebody just thought it was funny to start talking about my weight. And there was a popular kid, I won't say his name, but he was a very tiny kid and he thought it was so funny to call me whale and everybody also thought it was hilarious. And so everybody in the entire class was chiming in and calling me whale. And and he thought it was even funnier to just emphasize just how fat I was and just how gross I was. He would say that I was whale and he was flea. And this was a continuing bit for the entire semester. And sometimes when it got a little bit too out of hand, like when the class would all be chanting whale and flea or creating songs about whale and flea, then the teacher would stop it when we got too loud and it was just getting like too loud and too rowdy was when he would stop it. But other than that, there was no attempt to stop it. And I was also not a cool kid. I, you know, I I was not a cool kid A lot of the kids in that class were either football players or cheerleaders. And that was what I wanted to be, right? I was on the pep squad. I wanted to be a real cheerleader with a real uniform. But I was just this little chubby girl who was a whale who nobody outside of that class would talk to me unless they were making fun of me and calling me whale. So, I mean, I get emotional just thinking about it because I also... I remember my mom, just me telling her that story and crying. And, you know, I'm sure as a parent, that is just the most helpless feeling because you can't really help your kid in that situation. But looking back now, I am so grateful for everything I've been through. Of course, I mean, that's just one small thing, but I am so grateful because it it has made me the woman that I am today, 1000%. But that event in itself, really solidified in my mind that, okay, all these cheerleaders are thin and pretty and everybody really likes them and wants to sit with them at lunch and wants to talk to them outside of this class. And here's me, this chubby girl who everybody is actually saying is whale and and basically making me feel completely worthless. And that I believe, I really think that that was the moment in my mind that clicked that said, Thin is better. If you are thin, you are lovable, you are likable, people accept you, you can be a cheerleader, you can be whatever you want, you can have lots of friends if you are thin. But because you are not thin, you can't have those things. Granted, now looking back, that is so irrational, but this is what the human brain does. It creates these beliefs based off our experiences, right? And that moment was when I started trying to control my weight, right? I think I really think it could go back to seventh grade was when I started trying to find ways to control my weight and to eat less and try to find the boxes that said low fat or whatever it was. So that really, you know, changed who I was for the majority of my life, right? It started this cycle of diet binge, diet binge, diet binge, right? And the emotional eating one, right? I can also find the root for that. And I'm not going to get in detail with that one because I do want to make sure that we get to the part where we talk about the four steps that I use to rewrite limiting beliefs. But I just wanted to tell that story, right, to show you that whatever your limiting beliefs are and whatever comes up throughout this podcast or as you are thinking about your personal experiences with this, just have some compassion for yourself because there was likely an experience, whether you remember it right off the bat or not, that actually created this limiting belief in your head. If not, then maybe conditioning throughout your entire life or whatever it may be, just have compassion for yourself and also realize this may be something that you have been carrying around with you for a very long time very long time. I'm a 30 year old woman and I have been carrying this around since I was how old are you in seventh grade? right about two decades, right? <laughs> a little bit less than two decades I've been carrying around this belief and just dismantled it a year or two ago and when, re- when I realized how much it was holding me back. So just again, have compassion for yourself as you go through this process and also if the limiting belief does not change overnight, then realize that you've been carrying it around again for two decades. So to assume that it's going to be just completely gone and not need continuous nurturing to rewrite your belief, then, you know, just just be patient. It just takes time. You've been carrying it around for a long time. It takes time to really get to the point where you believe your new empowering belief. All right, this next part is where you're going to want to get a pen and paper and jot down these four steps and jot down a couple of the ways to do these four steps. And I'm just going to go through it Pretty quickly, each step. But again, if you want some support in dismantling some of your limiting beliefs or you want the full framework, then join the Vibrancy Guide group coaching. That would be a great place. You'll get all the tools you need to rewire these limiting beliefs and consistently help yourself believe a belief that actually is supporting your growth and supporting you becoming your most vibrant, best self versus just holding on to these things that are holding you back. So the four steps that I use to rewrite limiting beliefs are, number one, identify it. Number two, find the root. Number three, disprove it. And number four, rewrite it. So identify, find the root, disprove, and rewrite. So identify. First of all, we have to find them, right? They're like buttholes. They're hiding in the dark. Nobody's really walking around showing you their butthole. (laughs) And you're not really bending over in a mirror and looking at it, are you? I mean, maybe you are, and that's totally cool too. But for the most part, we're really not paying much attention to them, right? And so they could be living in our subconscious and lurking around and we don't even know it's there. So, so a couple ways that you can find them is, number one, looking at your past, right? I like to do this, is kind of going through your past and it's particularly in an area that you feel held back, right? So maybe it is your health and fitness and your relationship with food. Go back to your earliest memories, as early as you can remember, because side note, a lot of these beliefs are created in childhood. And we hold on to these beliefs from childhood, right? And we never change them. How crazy is that, that we never change our beliefs, even though our experiences change all the time. So you're going to look at your past and find, write down all your earliest memories in that area where you are feeling held back. So For example, with health and fitness and food, you might want to go back and try and remember your earliest memories of of food, of your experiences with food, of challenges with food. The first time you remember wanting to go on a diet, the first time you remember wanting to lose weight, the first time you remember feeling shame about your body, the first time you remember somebody commenting on your body. Any of these things and just jot down as many as you can and really look at those memories. And because again, memories are tied to strong emotions because typically those memories that have stuck in your head all the way up until now are going to reveal something to you. And just dive in and look at what what are some common patterns, some common themes and some beliefs that you may see have arisen From these experiences, right? What are the beliefs that you created from these experiences? For example, when I did this for myself and wrote down that example from seventh grade, I remember I realized that I did have a deep-seated belief that almost when I uncovered it, I wasn't fully ready to get rid of that thin was better and lovable. And also another one that I had written down there was I can remember the very first time that I emotionally ate. I remember like, crying and I had just made a bowl of ramen noodle soup and because I loved ramen when I was a kid and I was I mean I can't remember how old I was because I'm not good with numbers or ages but I remember I made my bowl of soup and then something happened that made me upset and I was crying but I had just made my soup and so I was crying and I started to eat my soup as I was crying and I remember being like oh wait this kind of feels this kind of is helping this soup is helping me feel better. And that was in my mind. I remember that was like a click for me, right? Like feel negative emotions, eat something, feel a little bit better. And so I did it again and again and again until it was an automatic habit, right? So just looking back at those memories sometimes can actually reveal a limiting belief to you. Now, I've been working with limiting beliefs in my programs for a lot, for a while now. That's, always, that's been a part of my, the vibrancy guide for a while. But now that I have my own personal development and manifestation coach, she has helped me also learn some new ways to look at and identify limiting beliefs. And one that she taught me is to ask yourself, why don't I have the thing that I want? So let's say the thing that you want is, again, a body that you feel confident and healthy and fit in? Why don't you have the thing that you want? Usually you will find a limiting belief hidden in that What the answer to that why question. So maybe your answer is, oh, well, you know, I I can't lose weight because I have, because of my genes. My body is just destined to be overweight because the rest of my family is, right? Or maybe your answer is, well, I'm an emotional eater and I have a really stressful job. So there's not much way to change that. Or maybe your answer is, I just don't have any willpower or discipline. I don't have enough willpower or discipline to to have the body that I want. Whatever your answer is to that question, will likely be a limiting belief, right? Like that last one I said, I don't have willpower or discipline. That in itself is a limiting belief about the world because that is saying that your inherent belief is that it takes intense willpower and discipline to create a body that you feel healthy, fit, and confident in. And I will tell you that's one that I have had to uncover as well, and that's just simply not true. Changing any habit does take a little bit of discipline, but trust me when I say it is not nearly as much as diet culture has sold you. The promise of just work harder, just go harder. Nike says just do it. Sometimes that's not always the case, right? It actually is cultivating habits and understanding your brain and what is causing you to overeat and Do the habits that you are not benefiting you and helping you have your fittest, healthiest body. Those are the things that the changes that are going to make the difference, not the willpower and discipline. So that's number one. Step number one, identify them. Identify your limiting beliefs. First, you got to find it. Then you pick one that feels most important, urgent, or pressing at the time, and you're going to continue the next three steps. So step number two is find the root. And you're going to ask yourself, maybe look back on that list of memories and find out when did you start believing this? When did you start believing this? What experience taught you this limiting belief or Who taught you this limiting belief? A lot of times it's a person, right, in our lives. And again, we don't blame the person. We realize that the person was just trying to protect us because they were sharing a belief that they believed to be true. So when did you start believing this? And this helps so much to realize that this is a belief. It's not truth. Because it's often rooted in an experience. And when we can see that it actually came from an experience from our life or something we saw or heard or an experience of someone else, we can realize, oh, this isn't truth. This is just a limiting belief, you know? And so you're going to find the root. That's step number two. Step number three is to disprove it. So in this step, you're going to actively find truths that counteract your belief. So this limiting belief, find proof that the opposite of this is true. So when it comes to my belief that thinner is always better and more accepted and more lovable, there's so many people in the world who are loved and accepted and so many people in my life that I love and accept wholeheartedly that aren't thin as a rail, don't have a model body that I was going for, right? And... There, that's absolutely true for other people, right? And so we can find that this disprove it by finding examples from other people's lives or from our life, right? Have I ever been loved and accepted when I wasn't stick thin? Of course I was. I had those. I had one friend through middle school that stuck with me through everything. She did not care what I looked like, Right of course, I was definitely loved and accepted even though I wasn't stick thin. Your job in the disprove it step is going to be to find as many examples as possible to help you see that it's not truth. It's a belief, okay? And a limiting belief about yourself. So, for example, my one that I was an emotional eater. That's a belief about myself. With that, you're going to find the tiny moments in Any moment that you can, find an example of when this was not true for you. I don't care if it was the tiniest moment, if it was just one time in your entire life. I want you to find it and focus on that. So, for example, maybe you are also identified as a stress eater. And you were like, well, yesterday I was stressed and I didn't eat. I didn't have food around, but I didn't eat. I just cried instead. Boom, that's one example. You're not a stress eater. You you may have stress ate in your past, but you are not a stress eater, right? You yesterday got stressed and you didn't eat anything, right? You're not a stress eater. So I want you to find those examples and amplify them. Focus on those. So PS, when we're talking about (laughs) expressing emotions, by the way, this is such a side note, but highly, highly recommend feeling your emotions instead of or before you try a coping mechanism. For example, if you're stressed or sad or anything like that, try actually fully expressing them. If you feel the tears welling up, let yourself cry. Let yourself be in that moment of sadness or whatever it is before you immediately jump to a coping mechanism, okay? Humans are meant to experience emotions and I think we have so many coping mechanisms at the tip of our fingers, food, alcohol, even the healthy coping mechanisms like meditation, tapping, all of that stuff. Before you try that, Sit in the emotion and get used to feeling uncomfortable emotions. This is also huge, 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 huge way to grow as a human. All right. So we're disproving it. And this is so key. If the belief is wrapped up in your identity, you'll keep playing out the same story. So for the example of if it's a belief about yourself, you'll keep playing out the same story, right? If you believe you're an emotional eater, then you will continue emotionally eating because that's who you believe you are versus you are do not identify as that and you just had a moment where you ate emotionally, right? That's cool, right? Moving on. Doesn't mean I'm going to do it time after time after time again. It's kind of the difference between identifying as a smoker versus you like maybe got a little drunk and smoked a cigarette. I'm not saying that didn't happen in my past because it totally did. I'm like airing out all my secrets on this this podcast. Wow. But anyways, you know, I don't identify as a smoker just because I've had some cigarettes in my life. (laughs) Oh, gotta love a health and wellness podcast that talks about all your deep, dark secrets, right? (laughs) And smoking cigarettes. I don't recommend smoking. I'm just saying college me did that sometimes. All right. Anyways, moving on from that because now I'm uncomfortable. Step four, rewrite it. Now, the key is when you're rewriting your beliefs is that it has to be believable for you. So with my emotional eating belief, I wouldn't go from I'm an emotional eater to... I never eat emotionally. I am as cool as a cucumber 100% of the time, and I don't ever use food to cope. It's too big of a jump to go from one end of the spectrum to the other. Instead, uh, a new belief that I'm rewriting that maybe I could actually get behind if I was at the point where like, I still am kind of feeling like an emotional eater, but I'm trying to rewrite that belief, might be that I have many coping mechanisms in my toolbox. I can handle stress and anxiety in a productive way. That's something that past me, who was still at the very verge of changing that emotional eating pattern, could get behind, right? I'm like, yeah, I can get behind that. I totally can handle stress and anxiety in a productive way, right? Even if it's just sometimes, I can do it. And when you're rewriting limiting beliefs, I also like to add in a prompt, an action prompt. So this is something that will actually prompt you when you're reminded of your limiting belief and when you state to yourself your new belief, it'll prompt you to take an action that is proving to yourself you are this new person. So for example... With my, this new belief, let's say, that I'm creating, I have many coping mechanisms in my toolbox and I can handle stress and anxiety in a productive way. This is probably something I'm reminding myself of in a moment of stress and anxiety, right? And then I might ask myself, my action prompt will be, what tool can I use right now to productively manage this stress? Do you see how that, adding on that action prompt, actually gives me a moment to jump in and give me an opportunity to further prove to myself that I am not an emotional eater. I'm somebody that uses healthy coping mechanisms because right then in that moment, I will then jump into the healthy coping mechanism because I asked myself that question. So maybe the answer to that would be (laughs) feel the stress for four minutes and then meditate for four minutes or do a breathing technique for four minutes. And I immediately do that. And then guess what? I have one more example to prove to myself that I'm not an immediate stress eater. I just had stress, and I, I handled it productively. And again, maybe right after that, then you go into the stress eating, but you still took the first step in the right direction. You still gave yourself the proof in your brain that not every time, immediately, you jump into the stress eating. You can handle stress and anxiety in a productive way, Right? So action prompt is my favorite part of this. And you also want to remind yourself of this new belief frequently. So I like to either wear something that reminds me of the belief. So I'll wear an anchor, whether it be a ring or I like to have a ring because it reminds me of it every day. And every time I see that ring, it will remind me of my new belief and I'll kind of say it in my head. You can write it down. You can tap on it. There are all kinds of things that you can do to remind yourself of this limiting belief. So again, this was a brief overview. Inside the Vibrancy Guide, we do a deep dive. And it's also really helpful to have a coach help you through this because sometimes a coach can see things that you can't see, right? And I've found that to be so true with my coaches. They see things in me that I would never have picked up on. So again, if you want to join the vibrancy guide, the first round, the deadline to join is October 10th, 2020. If you're listening before this, then jump on the website in the show notes and check it out. And I hope that this was so helpful to you. I hope that Maybe you even come back and listen to it again and that you changed a limiting belief or you at least got some ideas of what in your life you might need to start rewriting and some great ideas on how to do that. So I hope you have a wonderful day and I will talk to you next time.